Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lord, we thank you for allowing us into your presence again this evening. Father, we pray that you will be with us in this message. Dear Lord, I'd like to speak on something I believe is very important. And Lord, I pray that you will receive it at this time, dear Lord, as being of you. Lord, I believe it's led of you is why I'm saying that. But Lord, I pray that uh, people will uh, consider it and review it with you and that you will make known to them what you the truth to them, dear God, from your scriptures. This is about Second Kings 5, and it's about the uh, curing, the miracle curing of the leprosy on Naaman by Elisha. Elisha, in this day, as you know, has done so many works in the scriptures, and we've been reviewing them. And this one is a very interesting one, and why I'm pointing it out like this is because it's clearly, as almost all of them are, pointing to the end times. And it's very important that we might consider this at this time, because it's it's a very true situation that we're in, and I don't think we understand the, the meaning of this script, uh, scripture. So let me get into it, and we'll begin to see what I'm talking about. But we're going to see about the leprosy in the time of the morning um, of this day, the famine of the word, and so on. It's very important for us. <clears throat> and we also need to understand who Naaman was and what he represents to us. Okay, let's begin with 2 Kings 5, verse 1. It says, Now Naaman, commander of the army of the king of Syria, and that should be king of Aram. You'll find that in the Hebrew Bibles, and it's extremely important. Uh, we see Syria, and we, we're not thinking uh, in the right way. <clears throat> not, and I would like to reveal that with you here shortly. But uh, the king of Syria, or king of Aram, it, it means uh, those of the elevation. We're going to see how important that is in a second. It says what, he was a great and honorable man in the eyes of his master, the king, because by him, the Lord had given victory to Syria or victory to Aram. In other words, God had appointed him to bring troubles on the rebellious people of Israel. And he had done so and God had given him victory. But for God to give victory to a person like this, he has to be doing something. In other words, he's humbled in his position. Because he was a great and honorable man. Honorable, for a person to be honorable, mentioned, especially in the scriptures, it means a little bit different than we would think. We would think, man, this guy's ruthless. Because at the times when later on, when people came against them, they were ruthless, extremely ruthless. But this guy is a great and honorable man to this king. Such that the king was willing to write a letter to the king of Israel, as we'll see. It says, because by him the Lord had given victory to Syria or Aram, he was also a mighty man of valor, but a leper. In other words, he was a great man of valor, but he developed leprosy. And remember, in the Bible, the Lord has given us leprosy several times to warn us of this end time. Job is a great example of the, the leprosy, this disease that eats away the skin of the whole body. The Bible boils over the whole body. And it begins to eat on the limbs and wither away. Job uh, speaks of the pain in his limbs that he had from this, not just the flesh, but the bones themselves were troubling him. And what we see here is he has leprosy. And the uh, Syrians or Armenians had gone out on raids and had brought back a captive young girl from the land of Israel. 
she waited on Naaman's wife. And of course, she's seeing the leprosy. And then she said to her mistress, if only my master were with the prophet who is in Samaria, for he would heal him of his leprosy. Now, notice that these people understand Elisha had authority from God. He didn't walk as God. He walked in the authority of the Lord. And he said he would heal him of his leprosy. And Naaman went in and told his master, saying, Thus and thus said the girl is from the land of Israel. It's very important for us to understand that he, you know, Naaman went in and told his king this and what this girl was saying. Now understand, there's a relationship here between the Armenians and Israel. And we'll get to that in a second because it's very important to understand when this girl is speaking to them of that, she was considering it, this is the thing that this prophet will do. Understand, there's a reason why he'll do it and she knows this. And we're not thinking that way in most of our thoughts, even today. <laughs> now it says, then the king of Syria went, uh, said, go now and I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So he departed and took with him 10 talents of silver, 6,000 shekels of gold and 10 changes of clothing. This is in verse five. So he, took a, he sent a letter to the king to announce that he's coming. The king sent a letter to the king, utmost respect from this king to that king, but understand it's coming with a perceived threat. And here's this faithful young girl who was taken captive, and she's offering the services of her God through the prophet by faith. And she heard the word, she's knowing that he could heal leprosy. And not only that he could heal it, but that he would do it for the glory of God. It's very interesting that she would do this, say this. And he took with him 10 talents of silver. 10 is the, um, you know, the perfection of the earth, number for the perfection of the earth. And silver is uh, the words of wisdom. It's, and, you know, it's not the, the gold, it's the finished product or the finished work, but the silver is uh, the beginning of getting and understanding the wisdom. And they took 6,000 shekels of gold, which is really intriguing because the Spirit of the Lord is guiding this. 6,000, of course, represents the time until we come to the healing of the nations and bring forth the millennium. 6,000 years, we're at that time right now. Think about that a second. And of gold, gold is symbolic of the finished work of God. And 10 changes of clothing, perfection, of the body, perfection of knowledge, perfection of the earth. We're of the earth. Ten changes of clothing. Took that with him. Then he brought the letter to the king of Israel and said, Now be advised when this letter comes to you that I have sent Naaman, my servant, to you that you may heal him of his leprosy. And it happened when the king of Israel read the letter and he tore his clothes and said, am I God to kill and make alive? That this man sends a man to me to heal him of his leprosy? Therefore, please consider and see how he seeks a quarrel with me. See, the king thought, oh my goodness, here's this powerful person who, you know, we, we are denying and he's coming. We're at war with him, basically. And he's, he's coming cause a stir because he's very strong and he's angry and he wants the healing. We can't do this for him. But if he doesn't do it, he'd probably kill us. That's just thoughts I'm putting out there. But he's saying he seeks a quarrel with me. In verse 8, it says, So it was when Elijah, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes, that he sent to the king, saying, Why have you torn your clothes? Please. Let him come to me and he shall know that there is a prophet in Israel. I'm telling you, the prophet that he's talking about is a prophet in the day is one who understood the words of God and recorded them. Did the way of them, spoke in the way of them, in the pure language of the kingdom of heaven. That's why there were prophets coming to Elisha to be taught. 
is being taught the knowledge of the words of God and the ways of those words and that enable his good promises. So it was, I'm sorry, verse 9 goes on. Then Naaman went with his horses and chariot, and he stood at the door of Elisha's house. And Elisha sent a messenger to him, saying, Go and wash in the Jordan seven times, and your flesh shall be restored to you, and you shall be clean. Jesus tells us in John 15, 3, that the words I spoke to you uh, washes you clean. Ephesians 5, 25, 27 says the words wash us spotless. After we washed in the water of the words to be made spotless. Nothing else does it. It wouldn't have mattered if Elisha came out or Elijah told him, just like Jesus said, you know, the child be healed or whatever, because of the faith of the people. So he's saying, you were sent here. Believe the young lady that sent you here. Believe in that word. And so he sent the word out. And the king, I mean, the, the Naaman got extremely insulted by this because he wanted to see a, you know, a magician, basically, a mighty man like the gods that they have and the religious men that they have. And they do different acts, but they don't have the power, authority of the words of God to control all things. But Elisha did. He had a double anointing. So it goes on in verse 11, says, But Naaman became furious and went away and said, Indeed, I said to myself, He will surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and wave his hand over the place and heal the leprosy. In other words, he's going to come out and do this mighty act of power that he has. But the word of God is not for us to test God with our arrogance. It's to show the might of God, the glory of God, the humility of God, the grace of God. It's the words that heal the people, not us. The words come with the full measure of the Spirit of God within them, John 3.34. So Elisha did it the right way, showing that this commander of the army of God could be healed by the voice of the words of the commander of his army, God himself, the Lord, Jesus Christ. He would heal from heaven. And Elisha was recognizing him as king. See, the king sent Naaman. And our king, our Lord, sent his words that made Naaman, that sustains Naaman, that can cure Naaman. So he sent his words. So Elisha was sending it to him. Now, the situation is saved by the servants of Naaman. Well, first let me go ahead and finish what Naaman said. He says, are not, in verse 12, are not the Abna, Abana, and the Farga, Farpa, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the rivers, of the, better than all the waters of Israel? Could I not wash in them and be clean? See, Elisha sent a messenger saying to him, Go and wash in the Jordan seven times, and your flesh shall be restored to you, and you shall be clean. The Jordan River means the river of judgment. But because he came to hear the word, that's what judges us is the words of God in this day. John 12, 48, Elijah showing us what judges us in this day. If we don't believe in the words of God, I'm not talking about the Bible itself. The Bible, if the Bible had saved us and it was everything that the rabbis in the Lord's time would have believed. The Bible is instruction manuals. It's like a teaching manual. But in it are disclosed the words of God that do wash us clean. John 15, 3, Ephesians 5, 25 to 27. And give us desire, the desires of our heart. John 15, 7. They enable the promises of God that are in his word, Isaiah 55, 11. He sends his word out. A word is always done by speaking it or doing it. So he sends his word out and it never comes back to him void. If we do the way of the words of God, it will not come back to us void. John 10, 34 to 37 tells us that to those whom the word comes, they're like little gods, like sons of God means we walk 
and the authority to speak and do the way of the words if we turn to him and receive those words and receive the authority of the Spirit within us. People think they have it. If you read Revelation 3, 14 to 22, the Lord says these people are blind. They do not see that they're caught in the snare, as we've talked about that snare, being in Luke 21, 34 to 36, and in Isaiah 28, 9 to 13, reveals it, testifies to it. And the Lord himself testifies to it in John 8, 43 to 47. Can't understand his speech if we do not discern his words. We do not understand his writings of the scriptures until we discern his words, which is what the disciples learned in Luke 24, 44 to 45. So then he turned and went away in a rage. Naaman left Elisha's house in a rage. But his servants came near and spoke to him and said, My father, if the prophet had told you to do something great, would you have done it? How much more then when he says to you, wash and be clean? See the simplicity of it? Today the people in the world cannot get the understanding that simple words of God spoken in the way of his language that's higher than ours, that's mightier than ours, will enable works greater than any action people do. People stand and cast out demons and they put their hands on them and do all these things. But the power of the word itself is the greatest, glorious thing that we can do. And doing the way of the words for something that's going to happen later that we have no way of being seen as taking the glory over, that's even greater. Giving us someone a cup of cold water, knowing that that correction you might never see but the people in heaven will see and God will see. And that's a greater star in your cap than anything else we do. Because we didn't get any credit. We didn't seek the credit. We seek to give them true help. Walking around and binding places that knowing it's going to pay off later on, maybe years later on. That is glory to God. That's walking in the way of the Spirit walking in the way of the words of God. Maybe they didn't know the words when they did that, but they had faith in doing those things. That's hearing the word, but the Lord desires us to come to the knowledge of truth so we're able to discern and rightly divide the word of truth and not just do these actions. But in, in the end, those actions are great. And you see the indication of this in Matthew 25. And when he, from verse 31 on, when he says he separates the people, and he says, this is what you've done for me. They didn't know they did the way of the words. But they were doing actions, but their heart was right. Some, were too, some people do these things and make, make it a business, become too prideful. That's why he says in Matthew 7, 21 to 23, the end of the day of judgment that we're in now, many prophets, many healers, Many who cast out demons are going to be told to walk away from him because they're lawless, because they wouldn't hear. They, they thought it was more of their great anointing that they had. You know, Korah thought the same thing, and the earth opened its mouth and swallowed him and his wife, I think, as well. You know, they, they, they wanted to do something God hadn't granted to them to do, and they just decided that they can take over. Move, move Noah, Moses out of the way and join with his anointing without the authority of God. It doesn't work that way. That's what happened to them. But that's kind of like these people today are prideful. They're healing, they're prophesying, they're doing these things. And they ignore the truth, just like the rabbis in Jesus' day. And when it comes to trouble, they won't be able to get it because the Lord's going to shut the door on them. Because they're blind and they think they're filled with the Spirit and they will not hear logic. They will not hear lesson to reason. They just believe in their great anointing because they've cried tears and they've done lots of things. Yes, they did things for the Lord. But what they really did is they didn't help the people by putting the food in the storehouse that's going to save them in the day of trouble. They only saved them for a time where they prophesied of the times coming, but they didn't tell them how to get through that. They didn't explain John 5:24 in the way of the truth. Let's hope they will get that message and come. 
But he said, wash and be clean. Then in verse 14, we read, so he went down and dipped seven times in the Jordan. What seven times? That is the way of the rest. In other words, what they're doing is the washing in the way of the seven spirits. Seven spirits. The Lord looks at everything through the seven candlesticks, lampstands, seven lampstands. See, he was looking through those seven lampstands. They were all standing in front of him. And every one of them is he's looking in the way of the word. So he's saying that all these works of the lampstands of the seven churches are works in the way of the words that people should have gained knowledge in and not, you know, grown in knowledge instead of failed to come to the seventh church and they do what? They get destroyed and cast out because they would not hear. He was knocking at the door, but they would not receive the words. And he's been calling on the words constantly. Sort of reminds you of the name Emmanuel and Jesus. You know, people don't quite understand the, the greatness of those names. They're awesome. The Lord, you know, it, it's like there's a name. People don't understand this. Let me try to talk about it a little bit quickly. And we'll go back to the name in here in a second because I think you can see what it really ties in. Name of Jesus, you know, has, has the, the great meaning in it. But the, the problem that we have is we, we don't discern quite the difference between. In other words, why is it, for example, that in Isaiah we refer to Jesus, the one we know as Jesus, as Emmanuel? And then when... Um, Gabriel comes, or we have the vision, I guess it's the vision of, um, in um, is it Matthew 1? I think it's Matthew 1, uh, where it's talked about to Joseph. Let me see if I can pull up Matthew 1 here real quickly. It's very interesting. This is when Joseph didn't want to take Mary as a wife because he found that she was expecting. And in verse 20, it says, but while he thought about these things, well, let's read verse 19. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. It's a work of God. What is the words? The words, John 3.34 has, the words are only come with the full measure of the Spirit of God. Everything the Lord does, he does in the way of the words. So this says, this is the way of the word, a promise of God. Something was created from the very beginning was going to happen. This is the Holy Spirit's appointed time. And she will bring forth the Son, and you should call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and then bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took, him, took to him his wife, and did not know her till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. Now catch that. You're getting both names in this verse, but why? God doesn't do anything with names arbitrarily. The reason is God with us, Emmanuel, God with us, is important. See, Jesus is the name Yah will save. God will save. He, God, will save. How does he do it? He does it by sacrificing his blood. And it was prepared from the beginning. You know, it's it's like when you say God with us, Emmanuel means God with us. But think about that a second. It's like when God himself says, 
I am who I will be. I am who I will be. God with us, the same thing. There was a great teaching in Airbrum Publishing. They they had this on there, and they, they talk about the, the name. They don't understand the words, but they understand the basics of the reason why these names. It's a mystery to the church. Nobody really explains it. Why did they not call him Emmanuel? Because what he's doing is the word is with you. The word is with you. He says in the beginning was the word. And the word became, that's Emmanuel, God with us. God is in his words in the full measure of the spirit. John 3, 34. John 1 starts off that way. So you see that what he's talking about, it's like, it's like I heard the story uh, when I was telling you that publishing company, it's kind of interesting when we're talking about God's name. It's like, you know, I am who I am. It's like when, or God with us. It's like saying, you know, when, when we put, we have dogs here, so when we put out the dog, the dogs, in, they bark or, uh, you know, they go in the backyard, they go in somewhere, you know, the dogs are outside. It doesn't say they're sleeping. It doesn't say what they're doing. You just know they're there. That's where they're located. And what he's saying is God is with us. He didn't say how. It's the words because the people didn't discern the words and the words weren't opened yet. But he says, God will save. How are we going to be saved? We're going to be saved by the blood that Jesus paid the price of that tore the temple veil so we can come in and receive the words of God that wash us clean. John 15, 3. That's why the temple veil was cleansed, torn. So we can come in and get the words that wash us clean. The blood paid that price so that we have the authority now to go in once and for all. It has, there not means another priest needed to do a, you know, a spiritual sacrifice like that. So we can go in and get the words. But we have one requirement. James says we're not of God if we aren't a doer of his words. So you can't receive a talent and not use it. That's what the parable of the talents is. We've all received the words of God from the very beginning. Isaiah 51, 16 tells us there that he put the words in us before he planted the heavens. But we don't, we're like, you know, that's why he says they're fishers of men. The words are like the fish swimming around in our stomachs, our body. They're there. We don't know they're there, but they're there. Every Everything that's within us is made by the words. Everything within us is a testimony. Even the way that we live and walk and so forth, they're all testimony in the words of God. The whole creation was made that way. Romans 8, 1, 18 to 25. We have no excuse. That's why you talk about food. Yeah, food is important because the stomach itself is symbolic of what we desire to eat. Do we desire to eat the food of the kingdom of heaven? That's why Jesus said in John 4, to his disciples, I have food you don't know nothing about. He told them in John 6, you must eat my flesh. They didn't understand that. He's made by the word of God. Words. We are made by the words of God. We are sustained. We, are, we go forth and we are provided for by the words of God. We are judged by his words. John 12, 48. So it's, it's interesting about the name of the Lord because it, it testifies Jesus in his name, Emmanuel, and Jesus as the, uh, the archangel there testified to, to Joseph. They're the same. There's a purpose in them. God was with us. The word was with us, and the word was going to be fulfilled that saves us because the word is going to pay the price of his blood so that the temple veil will be torn open and that he will be given the authority from the Father, which is what he got on the first day of the week, so that we can be washed clean at this time. That's symbolic of what that means, the name. And it also, you go back and you say, okay, the name, as I've explained in the Bible, always represents the kingdom work that we're given to do or some relationship to that. Naaman, for example, He's a leprous Armenian captain. And the name of Naaman 
means the pleasantness or delightful one. He was mighty and wondrous before God was leading him and brought him to the opportunity of testimony. And when he saw God's works, when he saw God's works, his life changed. He comes, you know, it's like the 10 lepers. Remember the story of the 10 lepers? Only one came back to praise God. Well, Naaman, captain of the army, even though they had paid a price to the king, or maybe he was, it doesn't matter how if he paid the price to the king or not. I, I know he was taking these rewards with him, and, and you can't sell the word of God. You cannot put a price on a work of God, or you've, you've lost your reward at all. Nothing will come to you because you're taking away the glory of God, and Elisha didn't take anything for this. But it's really interesting what, what Naaman does. It, the Lord came upon him with the spirit when he cleansed him with the seven spirits. Because he does something very interesting here. You will be clean. How are you clean? You're clean by the water of the words. He began to understand the words of God are powerful. He was able to discern the difference between the words of their people and God's words. So he returned to the man of God. Remember that him to whom the word come is like a little God, and they're a son of God. He and all his aides, and they came and stood before him. In verse 15, 2 Kings 5, it says, And he said, Indeed, now I know that there is no God in all the earth except in Israel. Now, therefore, please take a gift from your servant. But he said, As the Lord lives, this is Elisha, before whom I stand, I will receive nothing. And he urged him to take it, but he refused. He didn't do anything. He just gave him the word. God did everything. Elisha was smart. You don't want anything of the world in this day as you want the kingdom of heaven because we're at the judgment seat right now. We're standing before God. We've been there since 2003. And now we're at the ending of the night of the day of the Lord when the separation judgment comes. And this is the time we will be judged by his words. And how are we going to react? So Naaman did something wise here. When he refused, he said, so Naaman said, then, if not, please let your servant be given two mule loads of earth. For your servant will no longer offer either burnt offering or sacrifice to other gods, but to the Lord. Yet in this thing, may the Lord pardon your servant when my master goes into the temple of Ramon to worship there and leans on my hand. And I bow down to the temple of Ramon. When I bow down in the temple of Ramon, may the Lord please pardon your servant in this thing. You see what he's going to do? He's going to do the testimony of the way of the Lord in his life and pray for peace in his nation. He's going to do those things, but he's going to hold his position because he wants to be servant to God. And Elisha said to him, go in peace. Go in the way of understanding that in the end, it'll all work out because you're planting the seed. It's like giving somebody a cup of cold water when you're praying for him on that earth. He's going to bow down on that earth. He won't offer any sacrifice except on top of this earth that was anointed from God. Because it's a land at the end. Why is that important? Because he's saying, go in peace. He's saying at the end, this will all be straightened out. Why can he say that, by the way? We don't understand the, the connection here. I don't believe. Let me explain. Naaman means pleasantness. He's an Armenian commander of the armies of Ben-Hadid II, the king of Aram, Damascus, in the time of Joram, the king of Israel. And he was good. He was in favor because of victories that God had brought him. But he was searching for the truth. This is a man who wanted to know the truth and see the truth. But Naaman had something important. He was an Armenian. Do we understand the relationship between Armenians and us? The Jewish people 
are descendants of Aram, the son of Shem. We see that told, testified to in Deuteronomy 26.5. This is when we're come, they're coming into the land and they get their first fruits. The Lord gives them instructions that they must do. Moses records it. It says this from verse 1 to... Um, I'll just read to verse 5 because it goes on and talks about the Egyptians and so on. But the first five are really important. It says, and it shall be when you come into the land which the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance and you possess it and dwell in it, that you shall take some of the first of all the produce of the grounds which you shall bring from your land that the Lord your God is giving you and put it in a basket and go to the place where the Lord your God chooses to make his name abide, his work abide. And you shall go to the one, and what is the work of God? The work of God is to bear witness to the to the words, the work. He's always wanting us to believe in the Son, the voice of the Lord, the words that he's speaking. Jesus testifies to that. He says, your God chooses to make his name abide, and you shall go to the one who a priest who is priest in those days and say to him, I declare today to the Lord, your God, he's talking to the priest, your God, that I have come to the country, which the Lord swore to our fathers to give us. Then the priest shall take the basket out of your hand and set it down before the altar of the Lord, your God. And you shall answer and say before the Lord, your God, my father was an Armenian. Some of the, like New King James has Syrian. It's Armenian. Read the Hebrew text. About to perish. My father was an Armenian about to perish, and he went down to Egypt and dwell there, few in number, and there he became a, great, a nation, great, mighty, and populous. But the Egyptians mistreated us, afflicted us, and laid hard bondage on us. Then we cried out to the Lord God of our fathers, and the Lord heard our voice and looked on our affliction and our labor and our oppression. So the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand and with an outstretched arm, with great terror and with signs and wonders. He has brought us to this place and has given us this land, a land flowing with milk and honey. And now, behold, I have brought the first fruits of the land which you, O Lord, have given me. Then you shall set it before the Lord your God and worship before the Lord your God. So you, so you shall rejoice in every good thing which the Lord your God has given to you, and your house, and you, you and the Levite, and the stranger who is among you. But do you see what he's saying? He's saying here, the Lord is telling them that you're to testify that you're an Armenian. You're a descendant of Aram, the son of Shem. Shem. Shem, the Armenian means the elevated one. In other words, God raised up that arm. And led us to this time. It's a marvelous testimony what the Lord is doing. And he makes known all these truths about how um, you know, generations go and so forth. What he's telling us, and I was trying to see here in the scripture where I can tell you the, the name of it. Uh, it doesn't go back. Let me go to glory here. Just one second. I'm looking for something I'd like to tell you a scripture about. And um, son of Arphex, the son of Noah, son of Shem. We come from Arphex. Backside. I'm sorry. It says Aram. But he says they're Armenians of them, which are sons of Shem is what it is. They're referring they're, they're, they're brothers. That's what it what it means. And the key is the key is that is in this day the Lord is telling us he's gonna heal us. Now, why why do I say that? You know, I'm talking to you about it and it sounds like I'm confused there, but no, you go to Luke four. And you'll see in verses 16 to 31, 
when the Lord is talking, this is when, you know, we, the Lord came in and he, he talked about the, uh, um, the relationship. And that, what, what I'm saying is uh, there are our effects said, yes, but you got to remember that the, the daughters in this thing that produce the children particular to it, that's what I meant to, to speak of, is you see that, you know, the wife of Isaac and Rachel and Leah, uh, excuse me, Rebecca, the wife of Isaac and Rachel and Leah were of what? They were the daughters of, um, well, one was a sister. Uh, Rebecca was a sister of Laban and R Rachel and Leah were what? They were daughters of Laban, an Armenian, or, or Aramean. That's where I'm getting the, the thing. So they were wandering of that. They were of that brotherhood is what the Lord is trying to tell us. Even though, you know, the, the, the line of the male came down from Arphaxad, from the son of Shem. The thing, what I mean, Jesus came through that. But the thing about it is, is, is that we see that the women are very importantly, this ties that together. It's the brothers and so on. And why that's important is when you go look at Luke 4, when the Lord is talking, he went into the temple. He went into Nazareth. And Nazareth is important to us because Nazareth, as a name, means scattered or sown. And at the time of Jesus, it was a very small place. It wasn't listed among the 150 uh, larger places in uh, the nation, of Galilee. But what, is, what it means is scattered or sown. People don't really know how big it was, but we know that it had a synagogue. We know that they read the scriptures, though. So it's like one little community that many came to. And they say that at that time, they believed that the population was like 50% Gentile, 50% of the people of Israel. So it was a very much likened to this, and that's where the Lord chose to put his son, Son. And why was it sown? Because these that were there are like the brothers to Israel. And it's like us. He says he's going to make a nation. He rejected Israel as the one bringing forth the words at this time in Matthew 21, 43 to 44, Acts 28, 28. The Gentiles. But what he's talking about is, is us, the brothers of, of Israel. We're like that to them. The captives. And remember also that when Jesus stood up to do this, he declares this. He declares this as a jubilee. It was on a Sabbath day, but he's saying that this is a jubilee, that the, I proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of the sight to the blind. And he then he had a three and a half year ministry. This is important for us to understand because in the morning of the day of the Lord, we're going to give three and a half years to get clean to pay the sacrifice that we must need to set ourselves apart from the world and be ready for that rapture event. Because it says in the middle of the seven years, he's going to take away the sacrifice, which is what he's talking about in Psalms 50 and 4. Daniel 9, 27 says in the middle of the seven years, he's going to take away the sacrifice. He's making a covenant with all of those. He's making the covenants, the same covenant he had, the covenant of the word. We can receive the word if we will turn to him before the separation judgment. It's too late after the separation judgment to get into the rapture because we need this purification time, the time to do the righteous acts of the saints and so on. I know that the plagues, according to Revelation 8, the seventh seal, are only going to be approximately 21 months. I don't know what happens in the second 21 months if any of these people can repent and come back to the Lord and be healed from this leprosy. And receive the word by the seven spirits of God. Indicates that in this healing of Naaman. And if that's so, then they will be able to be of the rapture. And they will pay their price in this place during that time. But if they do not come back to him, more plagues are going to come on them. Because you'll get the first six of the trumpet judgments happening in that next 21 months. Because it tells you that the trumpet judgments don't do anything except watch what happens in that time of silence from heaven, which is the time of the of the plagues on the earth. It's the time of Proverbs 1, 20 to 33. It's the time of John 9, 4, 5. It's the time of the 
uh, famine of the word in Amos 8, 11 to 14. It's the time of the famine in Revelation 6, 5 to 6. It's a famine of the words of God. And that's going to be in that first part at 21 months. It's a time when the Lord will look down from heaven. He says the light was going to depart from those of the world. It will not depart from those who receive it. He will not take it back. It will never come back void. So if he sends it to us, if we ask and he sends us the spirit that makes known his words, he will not take it back unless we fail him. But we have not asked for the words of truth. Therefore, the spirit won't seal them before he, the light goes out of the world. Because the light comes by the entrance of his words. Psalms 119, 130. That is why it's so important for us to get this message and understand that. And the Lord tells us, he gives us two examples and he ties them together in Luke 4 when he's in Nazareth making this speech. When he's, he's talking to these people, and he, he, you, know, you can read Luke, uh, Luke 4, 16 to 31. It's well worth reading. But in, he goes on, he, he says uh, in there, um, when he closed the book, we read, let me read the scripture he reads. He said, uh, he opened the book and found a place where it was written. This is the book of Isaiah. And he said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because uh, he, was a, he has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of the sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Then he closed the book, gave it back to the attendant and sat down and all the eyes and the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, today, the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Now, please understand, in your hearing means you have to hear the words of God. You have to discern his words from his speech. Those that do that, what happened just now? What he's saying is a year of jubilee is decried. He didn't say a year. He said a Sabbath is declared. The entire seven years of the Lord's timing is a Sabbath. To those who receive the words, they'll be continually receiving the full measure of the Spirit of God because he's going to, they're going to go forth like stall-fed calves and they're going to be able to do the righteous acts. But immediately, it's a Sabbath. It's a covenant. The covenant is he's going to be set free. This is the same covenant he says here. The oppressed and so on. And that covenant begins with the morning. That's when the light comes to those who are set apart. John 17, 17. And he tells us, that, you know, in Isaiah 21, 10 to 12, this is going to happen. So I've been telling people that the, the Sabbath of the Lord is coming. And the Lord says, don't let your flight be in the winter or the Sabbath. Do you understand what he's saying there? He's given you a little bit of a clue. He tells you that in Matthew 24, 20. Because he's saying, let it not be in the winter because there's problems right now we're in the winter and these troubles are they're here they're going to explode upon us and we're going to see death and destruction and many are going to be lost because they don't have the protection of his words then he says of the sabbath and the sabbath is when the plagues are coming it indicates almost that the, after the first 21 months of the plagues after you have this terrible plague like job had for 21 months or maybe 18 months but it's about a half an hour which is an hour is 42 months, so about a half an hour is, is 21 months or very close to it. And what he's saying there is if you have that, then it, it sounds like you're going to have these terrible plagues, but then you'll be have an opportunity to be like Naaman and come back and worship God. God doesn't reject them because he's still here. The rapture hasn't occurred yet, so maybe that's that opportunity for those who have had the plagues to come back and get back into the kingdom. But for the time of the plagues, the door is shut. There's silence from heaven. They will not be able to get the words. It's taken from them. And they cannot do anything but get the plagues because they're going to get punishment for rejecting the word. Because the Lord says in Deuteronomy 18, 19, Deuteronomy 18, verse 19, that he will hold them into account for rejecting his words. Because Jesus paid the price of his blood. And they're trampling upon the spirit of grace the blood of the spirit of grace by rejecting the price that it paid to give you the words that are your inheritance. You're like Esau. You're taking it. No, no, no big deal. 
You just think you have an entitlement like Esau had. That's the problem. That's why he calls out from Mount Seir, Mount Seir in uh, Isaiah 21, 10 to 12. Well, I hope you understand this. That's very important that we get this message. The Lord goes on then in that, that text of Luke 4, and he says to them, but I tell you truly, many widows and um, were in Israel in the days of Elijah, when the heaven was shut up three years and six months, and there was a great famine through all the land, but to none, to none of them, was Elijah sent except to Zarephath in the region of Sidon to a woman who was a widow. See, and then he also says here, and uh, the next one he goes in verse 27, he says, And many lepers were in Israel in the time of Elisha the prophet, but none of them was cleansed except Naaman the Armenian. Or, or but my, my point is that the Lord's tying both the famine of Elijah and the time of Naaman, the leprosy of Naaman, to this. See, the famine's going to come first, then the leprosy. So what he's saying is maybe after the leprosy of 21 months, maybe these people can get healed and, and be returned back to God and still get in the kingdom in time for the rapture. Because the rapture's three and a half years in. The second, they'll have another 21 months to get themselves cleansed by the washing of the water of the word. But clearly, Elijah, Elisha showed us that it needs to be done seven times. So seven seasons, maybe it's possible that they can get enough righteous acts done and cleansed to be able to go up. Because you have to be spotless to go up in the rapture, according to Ephesians 5, 25 to 27 which is the mystery of the called out assembly. And it says in Ephesians 5:32. Well, there's some things to think about here. And I pray that it'll be helpful to you tonight that you'll see that this is the time we have the famine of the word coming. Then we have the plagues and maybe there's a, something after the plagues for a chance of healing for those that don't go back and become just like the rest of those. Remember the 10 lepers, nine of them went back and went the way of the world, even after God healed them. Lord's going to heal them again this time. After the 21 months, they'll have an opportunity. Some will be healed. But remember that he said that he's going to mark the shepherds who would not hear him. He says he's going to wither their right arms and put out their right eye. So they'll be visible to everybody the shame for not hearing his words and teaching righteousness. Because of, he's withering the right arm because they would not teach the way of righteousness. They only wanted justice. People asking for weapon systems to defend Israel. But they don't look at Israel and say, hey, Israel, you're in trouble because you got this occultic courthouse that you're walking with the people of the world when God has told you to come out. And you, above all people, should have known the scriptures. Come out before it's too late. You rabbis must listen. You know, you think you know the scriptures and you don't even know your own scriptures. You're, you're blind. Blind as you were 2,000 years ago. I'm sorry, but that's true. But if they'll come out, they'll be saved and they can do a mighty work. And God has a mighty work for the remnant of Israel. Pray for them, but don't go. People are assisting them, building up the prime minister who runs the, the Mossad, which is helping the drug lords and all the others and doing the you know terrorist strikes and training all over the world with the, the Bush family and the Crown Trust and the Rothschild family. And they put that the Supreme Court in Jerusalem. They have the, the garden of the Rothschilds with the obelisk in it. And they... The Israel accepted the, the the building free of charge if they would not touch any of the architecture, which they should have immediately rejected. But no, they would rather be of the world. And so they're working with these people of the harlot. And that's why, the you know, look at the Israeli Supreme Court leaders and all these. They're, they're, they're allowing this. And they expect to be of God at this time. It's a terrible thing to see. In America, we're so much worse. We are, the DHS is, I can't even go into it. It's so terrible. What they're doing in the world, not just America. They're not defending America. They're bringing America into the prison camps and financing, bringing the immigrants in. They're doing all this, bringing the drugs in. They're doing all of that. Financing the upsetting of different countries, funding the terrorists, all this kind of activities. People have testified of the busloads 
of immigrants brought in by the Department of Homeland Security, flown in by the, the things. And this week and this day, today is a day that they, they meet in the secret meetings and they approve the budgets of the 22 cabinets and the 21 secret companies, including those companies that are in charge of the global genocide. I shouldn't say global, the worldwide genocide. But they're planning to kill 7 billion people and create this religious war that we're already seeing remnants of. You know, there was a, there was a hearing in one of the state's cities this week and uh, in the last couple of days. And the people, when a, when a preacher got up to pray, they were screaming and, and disrupting and, you know, calling them up Lucifer and that, you know, the separation of church and state. People don't even realize that the government itself is based upon a secret uh, religion. In other words, they have a secret law system that they base on some divinity law that gives them elite um, and powers. In other words, they're considered living people and they can't be taken to court. These elite cannot be taken. That's why you never see them come in. And they don't get defeated unless the Crown Trust wants to bring something against them for something they did against them. But they have, they're based on a divine law written by St. Thomas Aquinas, and, and it's, it's not right. It's not even correct. And, it, and it's backed by the military. That's why they call it admiralty law. And it's backed by the merchants. Jesus tells us in Revelation 18 that it's the sorcery of the merchants that's destroyed the world. And the crown trust is merchants. Everything is, all the law system is contract law. It's merchant law. And it's backed by the power of the military that the people that's controlling the gold and silver, the treasuries, which is the Rothschild family and the Crown Trust, they control all the nations through the manipulation of the money. And therefore, and they control all treasuries. And you always see that their people, that finance ministers are trained by them. So you can see that very clearly. It's so logical. I've said enough. Lord, I pray that you would take this message and let them understand the reason of your name. Why the, why the Father sent you to Nazareth? Dear Lord, where it was sown, the seed was sown there. We could see, dear Lord, these people rejected what you declared right there in Nazareth in Luke 4. Dear Lord, as it's recorded in Isaiah also, in Isaiah 60 and so on. And there, dear Lord, it's recorded that you declared a year of jubilee. That's what you mean. This is fulfilled in your presence. Dear Lord, it's coming to them. They had three and a half years to get themselves right. I should have known the timing because you're doing all things, dear Lord, in 42-month spans. And Lord, I pray the book of Revelation shows us this. And 42 is a number, dear Lord, of the first angle of the red color, dear Lord, the, the angle it's of the rainbow, of the red color when the sun reflects through the water. And Lord, we pray that the people understand, dear Lord, that's why you're doing that, because by your blood you gave us the opportunity to be set apart from the world by the words that you came in to bear witness of. And as John the Baptist testified in John 3, 26-36, you came to speak the words of God that you learned from the Father. And in those words that you were given is the full measure, full measure of the Spirit of God. And whoever rejects those will be rejected of God, as it says in John eight forty seven. Father, help them to understand. We pray, Lord, that your spirit move upon the people and let them know your truth. We praise your holy name. We praise the work that you've given to do, knowing that God is with us. But the light is going to go out of the world, as it says in John 9, 4, 5, in the night. And, Lord, we're in the last year of the night. It's coming to an end. And, Lord, you warned us, separation judgment, and the sealing of your word is done in the night. If we don't get your word now, we'll go through the plagues. Lord, we pray that the people understand this time. It's very important. They must have a revival quickly because their judgment is coming and the armies of the world are uniting and the, and the religious war is about to explode on the world. And it's Satan against you. Lord, we praise your holy name. In Jesus' name, amen. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? 
Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.